Welcome to another edition of the Hypocritical Podcast. I'm your host, Olena Hugh, and joining me this week, we have our Powbox founder and CEO, Koala Grevy. How's it, Olena? Great to be with you again. Fantastic. And of course, always a pleasure to speak with you. Now, before we jump into the latest updates, how about an update from you, Hoala? You're back in San Francisco? I'm back in SF, uh, working remote, checked in on the office. It's doing fine. And, uh, you know, it's halibut and salmon season. So that's something to look forward to uh, on the kayak fishing uh, angle. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and so uh, would you say that you're a little bit busier now that you're back in San Francisco or everything's kind of just remained the same? It's about the same. We use this, we, we use this a goal setting framework called the OKR system. And I think that's been um, rather critical uh, for our productivity and goal attainment and alignment. So uh, this is our third quarter using the OKR system. And as far as things go from that standpoint, we seem to be as productive as pre-COVID when everyone or mostly everyone was in the same office. Excellent. That's wonderful to hear. All right. Well, in each hypocritical podcast, we cover the latest in headlines. We also feature the winners and the failures for the week. But first, we're going to jump into what's happening in the news right now. Yeah, great, Olena. So there was a prominent story in the New York Times last week regarding the U.S. response or lack thereof to the coronavirus. And lo and behold, the fax machine was front and center of one of the problems. And <clears throat> the article goes on to paint a picture of, you know, a fax machine uh, receiving reams of user uh, of patient COVID results and the paper just overflowing and spilling onto the floor. And so, you know, what we've been saying all along here, and what's, which was just brutally reinforced uh, in this article, the fax machine remains the dominant form of communication in U.S. healthcare. And for us at Powbox, we consider the fax machine to be our true competitor. Uh, to be clear, it's not the only competitor but we believe it is the true competitor to our product, which of course is HIPAA compliant email. So um, lots more organizations out there still reliant on facts. Some, a lot of them not even, don't even use email in the workplace. So we're going to keep focused, keep on our path. And I, and I think we're going to, you know, be able to provide a lot of value uh, to the healthcare system just by making a better, more reliable alternative to the fax machine. Sounds crazy to say in 2020, but that's the reality. I'm kind of surprised. I guess I wouldn't think that fax machines were still relevant. Why do you think the healthcare industry still utilizes them so much? I think a lot of it comes from an interpretation of the HIPAA uh, security rule, which early on deemed the fax machine to be, uh, quote, compliant. Um, there's some gray areas for sure around fax machines and, and security especially when you start dealing with email to fax or fax to email. But, you know, if you read it to the letter, um, they consider the fax machine to be uh, quote unquote HIPAA compliant. So a lot of healthcare orgs just, just go with fax by default. Um, but what's interesting and with organizations like High Trust, which is the gold standard of security frameworks, which uh, we have, we have, we've had that certification for two years now. They, in fact, um, prefer secure email 
over the fax machine. So, you know, we're right in alignment with the high trust, uh, you know, what they view as, as proper uh, data exchange and security frameworks. Excellent. All right. And so from this particular situation, you know, with this bottleneck, um, what do, would you say are the takeaways from what we're gathering? It, I mean, it, it, you know, I think COVID accelerated this long overdue digital transformation in healthcare. Uh, people have been talking about it for a long time and now it's, it seems to be accelerating. And a lot of that uh, involves cloud uh, software vendors like us, right? When everyone's working remote, the fax machine sitting in your office is just completely useless, right? Or if a large portion of your workforce is working remote, having an office, a fax machine in the office doesn't do you any good. Having a solution that goes fax to email, well, that still involves a portal login. So it's back to like the same amount of friction as the, all the other competitors in the market like the ones provided by Cisco, for example, which we'll be talking about in a few minutes. Um, so I think healthcare does move slow in the US, but it is certainly being accelerated at this point in time. So for us, uh, it validates why we're here, what we're doing, and we just got to stay focused and execute. And so your personal preference for your medical information to be transferred would be what? Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'd like them to use Powbox. I mean, a fa <laughs> who has a fax machine? It's just crazy. And, you know, you talk to your friends about it and, you know, if they're about to have a kid or uh, some kind of procedure and this renowned hospital will say, okay, what's your fax number? And they're just going, what? <laughs> who has a fax? Are you crazy? And then they go, oh, well, we'll just mail it to you then. And you're talking like a 50-page document that they need today, not in a week. So that's where things are at. It is, change is coming. It is being brought about in a faster rate by COVID. We just got to stay focused. Okay. Well, excellent. And now it's time to transition over to the good news. Who is winning this week? So we want to highlight uh, one of our newer customers, Five Acres. It's an organization that's been around over 100 years. And they found us through Google. And uh, first of all, they needed a reliable less cumbersome encrypted email solution. They were using a solution by Cisco Systems, which was portal-based, which of course involves a login for the recipient <clears throat> and training for the internal staff on how to use the portal-based solution. And when we were interviewing them from a customer success story that our marketing department spearheaded, we discovered that just by using this solution from Cisco, they had to generate 2,500 help desk tickets just on how to use the darn thing or if recipients were having problems opening it, uh, which, which then cascaded into more than 400 hours spent just troubleshooting issues related to the solution, which kind of begs the question, you know, did they end up paying more than the cost of the Cisco solution in human capital time just to deploy and support it? I mean, there, there's an argument there for that. So first of all, we got them on our encrypted email solution, which would be Powbox Suite standard. And then later they discovered we had an inbound security solution, which would be our Powbox Suite Plus. So we got them on our inbound security and we immediately stopped display name spoofing attacks. Uh, I think about 46 viruses in the first four weeks and a whole bunch of spam. So 
we're able to help them out and help them on their uh, on their worthy cause. So I'd say Excellent. they're Excellent. Wonderful. And so obviously with you helping them, you're also helping their customers. Yes. And they've, uh, I believe they provided us some referrals because they just like to get their whole ecosystem using Powbox to really streamline the entire email communication workflow. So we're following up and seeing what we can do to help out some of their other partners in their ecosystem. Wonderful. Okay. Well, you know, while we like to highlight those that are winning, we also need to showcase who is failing. And so what you got for us this week? Shucks, I, I did our monthly HIPAA breach report. We've been doing this for three years now. And every month we just look at the past month's uh, breaches that were reported to the Health and Human Services, hhs.gov. It's nicknamed the uh, Wall of Shame. This is a breach portal. And in those three years, we, we've just never seen numbers like we're seeing now. So for example, uh, in this month's report, there was 29 breaches alone in the email sector in the previous month. Normally, the entire breach report has about 29 breaches total across all sectors. And now we saw 29 just for email. We also saw a new total of 50 breaches total, which we've also never seen that many breaches in a given month. And I think this may have some correlation to there's news that came out a few days ago, Russian hackers, trying to steal information on um, vaccine research being done for COVID. Maybe there's a tie in there. Mm -hmm. Email is certainly proven to be an effective uh, breach path. Uh, the data shows it over and over again per month. So I'd say just email security in general would be a fail for the month. We, you know, again, it's 2020 and there's just still a ton of breaches out there happening in email. So, Again, that validates why we're here. We just need to, you know, service more customers and help improve that. And one specific example would be Merit Health. And they suffered over 100,000 uh, patients' protected health information being violated uh, last month. Uh, the case is on the investigation, I think, is still underway. We haven't found any recent uh, press releases about it, but it was reported that just one breach alone affected over 100,000 Americans' data. Well, thank you for all that information. And of course, you're a wealth of knowledge and knowledge is priceless. I know a lot about very little, just one, <laughs> one little thing in HIPAA, but uh, yeah, we keep our eyes on it. Thank you so much, Huala. Well, now we're going to transfer over to Sierra Reed, our marketing manager here at Powbox. And during this week's encrypted interview, she chats with Scott Siegerstrom, Director of Information Systems at Christie Clinic in Illinois. Take a listen. What are the biggest threats that you think medical practices need to be aware of right now in this current environment? Well, I mean, there's still a lot of bad actors out there. Um, uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, nefarious groups across the world that try to break into healthcare institutions. And, you know, they, they see us in a vulnerable state right now simply because, um, you know, you're either overworked or understaffed because you got people spread all over the place. So there's, you know, different opportunities that they can uh, tap into. Um, so paying attention to all of that stuff um, is, is one of the biggest targets that, you know, IT people need to um, focus on. Um, in addition to that, you know, um, trying to make healthcare um, safe for patients 
and when I when I say that, I don't mean only patients in a hospital setting. So, you know, Christie Clinic is a is a purely ambulatory environment. I mean, we we're not a hospital. We don't have patients that stay overnight. We you know we're we're strictly an ambulatory clinic. So, patients come to us for care. But um, you know, the patients have a fear of going to any you know healthcare operation and getting you know, cross-contamination from somebody else that happens to be in the facility. And that's true for the ambulatory side as well as the acute care side. So trying to make patients comfortable um, is, uh, is a threat to the business. Um, not true. necessarily a threat to IT, but a threat to the business. But, you know, as an IT person, I'm trying to come up with, you know, new and novel ways to be able to make patients comfortable um, using technology tools to help um, you know, provide that level of uh, safety and that level of satisfaction for them um, while still being allow allowing them to be seen. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I actually went to the doctor this morning and I didn't feel safe until I got there. They had safe protocols when I got there, but all I was told beforehand is just to wear a mask before I got there. And then when I got there, I saw that they had rearranged the seating and they asked mm -hmm. me if I had any symptoms. So I felt safer when I got there that they had initiated all these new protocols, but I didn't feel safe until I got there. So that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, a couple of things that, you know, that we've done here in the clinic, like a lot of other organizations across the, the country. I mean, we launched video visits. Um, so if a patient is really, really uncomfortable with setting foot inside of the office, we do have the ability to have a video visit with them. Um, I'm working right now on a uh, solution to more or less turn the um, turn our parking lots into waiting rooms so mm. that when um, patients arrive for a, um, a visit um, all they have to do is uh, send a text message to us um, and say you know I'm here for my visit and then we can send a uh, reply text to them saying you know this is how long you're gonna have to wait stay in your car give them instruction and so that way um, you know, we can have that asynchronous communication between us and the patient without having to tie up um, phone lines and have a person only being able to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. So um, I'm getting close to being able to, to, to launch that. Um, so that's coming. Um, yeah, that's an amazing, that's an amazing idea. I mean, if, if I knew that that was the protocol for my doctor this morning, I would have been excited to go in, you know, and not fearful. So what a great idea. Yep. So those are, you know, some of the technology things that, you know, we've thrown at, at, at COVID. Um, you know, we obviously like a lot of, again, like a lot of places we've got, you know, drive through um, for uh, testing. Um, we recently, um, and it's been about a month now, um, we basically reopened the business after um, essentially um, shutting down all of our ambulatory um, or uh, outpatient procedures. Um, so our, uh, elective surgical procedures and whatnot. We we put a, put an end to those um, in March for a couple of months, and um, we recently reengaged and opened up all those services on June first. The surgical procedures, um, part of our our COVID um, pre-op testing protocols was that all all ambulatory um, procedure patients had to be tested for COVID um, prior to their surgical procedure. Right, um, and so we, you know, when the pan the pandemic first hit, we opened up drive through testing for you know symptomatic patients. 
then we've since converted that over to drive-through testing for pre-op patients. So, you know, patients that need to have those surgical procedures can go drive-through testing for uh, COVID before their surgery. Um, we also have set up um, uh, curbside um, convenient care. Um, so we have uh, convenient care um, is one of the departments of operation that we have. And um, we've set up um, at one of our facilities, curbside convenient care patients pull into a, um, an outdoor covered canopy uh, area and uh, they call in on a specific cell phone that our convenient care, st convenient care staff are carrying and say, you know, I'm here to be seen for convenient care. And then the, the staff go out to the car all dressed up and gowned. Right. rather than bringing the patients in. So, um, you know, being able to provide the technology to make those operations function. Right. Um, you know, those are some of the, you know, the rapid um, rapid response teams that, um, you know, I've had to put together in order to make those things happen quickly when the clinical operations decide this is what we want to do. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about all, all of the other IT components that go into all of those different items. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, so my next question for you is, how do you guys constantly really maintain and upgrade the IT um, at your clinic to th thwart all of these new threats that are you know, coming amongst COVID-19? Well, um, one, of, one of the things that I learned at Advocate and that I've brought with me here to Christy is that um, uh, you never want to, um, um, you know, put all your eggs in one basket, I guess, you know, is, is the way to say it. So um, every vendor that comes to market with some technology solution, whether it's like Pobox with the, um, the, the email encryption or whether it's, um, you know, Mimecast with um, anti-spam and other services that they provide, is that every vendor always has a blind spot to some component of the IT spectrum. Sure. You know, no one vendor can can service every single segment of IT. So it's always in a business's best interest to have multiple vendors that that you know mesh and interact well with each other. So that's one of the things that you know I brought here is that you know I I use Pobox for email uh, encryption. I use Pobox to um, recently um, we just used it to uh, connect our. Um, our marketing platforms for our um, email to patient marketing campaign so that we can get COVID information out to patients through email. I didn't have that type of tool in place before. That's just, you know, email marketing is just one thing that we didn't do. Right. And, and when, um, when Pobox came out with that solution uh, here recently, we tapped into it and, and connected our, our email marketing vendors. And um, so it gives a level of security, um, uh, to the messaging that goes out, but it also allows it to look like it's actually coming from Christie Clinic rather than from some, um, you know, random email system. So there's that. Um, security, you know, I've got a couple of different security vendors that go on the other side of email security. So, you know, Pobox is pretty much the encryption side. Then I've got Mimecast for the spam side. Um, then I use um, CrowdStrike um, for security as a service and, um, anti-writer stuff. So each one of those components is what I think, um, you know, as, as an IT executive, covers my entire footprint of um, technology. All right. 
And where do you where do you see the healthcare industry going in the next ten years? <laughs> uh, consolidation, consolidation, <laughs> consolidation. <laughs> um, you know, there is going to be so much consolidation in healthcare, and it's and, and when I say that, I don't mean just in um, healthcare provider segment. Um, while um, you know. Healthcare organizations, I think, are going to be merging and merging and merging until, you know, at some point that, you know, by 2050, um, you know, you may see 20 or 30 large healthcare conglomerates across the country. Um, but um, even at the uh, on the payer side, um, you know, everybody looks at healthcare and they see the provider side, but they always forget about the payer side and how complicated the payer side in this country really is. Um, you know, a lot of the things that have happened with um, with the pandemic and with some of the rules and regulations that um, the government has come out with to try and, you know, lessen the blow to the healthcare industry as far as what's being reimbursed, especially when it comes to telehealth for video visits and telephone visits. You know, um, those rules, those regulations, I think, um, my personal opinion is that they're going to end up um, being made permanent. And so um, the payer market's going to have to either, you know, accept those um, federal regulations and make their reimbursements just as permanent, um, or, um, you know, you'll see a, a flight um, to um, a single payer system happen a lot more uh, quickly than what a lot of people may want to see happen. Thank you so much, Sierra, for that insightful interview. And for more information, you can also log on to our website. That's palbox.com. And you'll also find more about Palbox and more info from that interview, our encrypted interview series. So you can also read it and share it with your friends. So this is going to wrap up our hypocritical podcast. Thank you so much, Hoala, for joining me this week. Thanks, Elena. Great to be with you again. And if you like what you hear, be sure to like and subscribe to the Hypocritical Podcast. Thank you.